Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thanks for joining us in this episode of ASHP's podcast on medication safety, the podcast where we discuss current trends in medication safety, regulatory issues, and best practices that improve patient care. This is part of the ISMP Best Practice podcast series supported by the Medication Safety Section Advisory Group. My name is Nick Kreitz, Medication Safety Pharmacist Specialist at Nebraska Medicine in Omaha. And today I will be chatting with Stacey Ethington, who is the Medication Safety Nurse Specialist at Nebraska Medicine in Omaha. Today we will be chatting with Stacey about ISMP Best Practice number four that states hospitals should ensure that all oral liquid medications that are not commercially available in unit dose packaging are dispensed by the pharmacy in an oral or enteral syringe that meets the International Organization for Standardization, also known as ISO, standards such as NFET. Our goal today is to focus on some of the safety benefits and learnings for converting medication oral syringes to NFET syringes. We will also briefly discuss ISMP best practice number five that focuses on oral liquid dosing devices only displaying the metric scale. Thanks for joining us today. So to get us started, I'd like to, Stacey, I'd just like to ask you, uh, why is it important for pharmacy to dispense liquid medications in an oral or enteral syringe like NFIT? That's a great question. Thank you, Nick. So it's important because we really want to make sure that the medication is being delivered via the right route. So the nice thing about NFIT is that it has the unique connection specific for enteral administration, which means even if a nurse tries to connect that syringe to IV tubing, he or she won't be successful. So, you know, huge benefits to NFIT. Many of the vendors that are making NFIT style syringes also have for oral use on their syringes. So it's another visual cue to the nurse that it's intended for the oral route. And additionally, A lot of the syringes are available in the metric scale, which I think is very important to ensure dose accuracy. Another thing that I wanted to mention is that with NFIT syringes, we have the ability to administer directly to the NFIT enteral tube that's in the patient. With the old legacy syringes, we didn't have that ability. So if you think of a PEG tube, it has a pretty big lumen um, that the nurse would need to attach a syringe into. And if pharmacy were to dispense an oral slip tip syringe, there's not a good seal there. And so the nurse has to transfer that medication probably into a med cup, draw it up into a bigger syringe, and then administer it to the patient, which obviously isn't ideal. So with NFIT, we can have that direct connection and have that confidence that the medication isn't changing packaging or containers along the way. There are some challenges right now since not all organizations have converted to NFIT. Some systems still have the older legacy syringes with NFIT. So right now there are transition adapters available so that if a patient comes into your organization and they have a legacy enteral tube and your organization has converted to NFIT and you have NFIT syringes, there is an adapter that can attach to the NFIT syringe to make it usable with the legacy enteral tube. But it's an important thing to note that as of January of 2022, manufacturers will no longer be making those adapters. So or 
organizations really need to start planning and making that move to end fit. Okay, great. So ISMP also has a separate but somewhat related best practice, and that's best practice number five that recommends oral liquid dosing devices only display the metric scale. Can you tell us why you think this is important and what strategies your organization uses to comply with this and educate patients? Sure. Use of standard metric dosing units is important in order to prevent med dosing errors by drying up the incorrect dose. At our organization, when we were reviewing the different NFET products and vendors, we ensured that the syringes we chose only used metric dosing units in milliliters. We saw products that had leading and, and trailing zeros and fractions. And as a, as a bedside nurse, it really made me cringe. So having that standard metric scale really is what's best for safety when it comes to drawing up the dose. Um, when our nurses have that electronic medication administration record pulled up, it tells the nurse the dose and volume in milliliters that they need to deliver to the patient. And so you know, that's front of mind for them. It's what they visually see on the computer screen. It matches what they see on the syringe in front of them, adding that additional layer of safety. And in addition to that, when we're teaching our patients, if we're using that metric scale, it just allows for a more standard language between the nurse and the patient to make sure that we're preparing them um, safely for discharge and that they understand the dosing and that it matches any of the material that will go home with the patient so that it's very clear to them exactly what dose and volume they need to deliver. One other thing, you know, when patients are discharged, the paperwork that they get from our organization, we call it the after visit summary. Um, it includes the ordered dose and the volume when it's applicable. And so our hospital offers a meds to bed service. And we validated with our outpatient pharmacy that they do provide oral syringes with the metric scale when it's appropriate for those patients. Right. Thanks. So can you tell us a little bit about when your hospital converted to NFIT syringes? How long did the project take and maybe who were some of the key participants that were involved in the project? Sure. So we started our planning, you know, really robust planning back in December of 2019. And our conversion took us right around 10 months. Keeping in mind the timeline there, obviously we had some pandemic time involved in that. And so, you know, that played a big part in our conversion, but we worked around it and ultimately went live in October of 2020. Crucial members on our team included, you know, a, a member of the value analysis team. They already have those relationships established with the vendors. They knew really great questions to ask, have a lot of knowledge about contracts and things, you know, that someone in a role like mine may not have known to ask. So they were a great um, person to have on the team. We also had a dedicated project manager, which was wonderful from a coordination standpoint, just because we met with a variety of groups to make sure that people were involved in the decision-making and with all of the vendors that with, it was really nice to have a point person to coordinate all of those efforts and keep track of the minutes. Obviously, we had nursing involved along with pharmacy and nutrition because those three specialties could potentially be involved, you know, directly in the patient's care, whether it be dealing with enteral feedings 
or, you know, administration of medications, we wanted to make sure that all of those teams had input on the products chosen. And even going a little deeper than that, making sure that certain specialties within those teams were included. So at our organization, we're primarily adult, but we do have a neonatal intensive care unit, as well as a pediatrics unit and a PICU. So we wanted to make sure that for the variety of patients that we see, that every team member would have a voice in the product selection. In addition to that, you know, providers, champions were very important. So we had a few surgeons uh, that we would bounce ideas off of. Some of our procedural providers that would commonly put in enteral tubes we spoke with, you know, really leaned on our transplant team since their patients often are using enteral tubes, just wanting to make sure that we were taking all of the considerations that we needed to. Another team member, you know, infection control, especially because with NFIT on the enteral tube side specifically, there is that moat, which is new and just wanted to make sure that we were considering the appropriate cleaning workflows and, and any mitigating any risks that there may be associated with that. And then um, a team member you might not think of for a product conversion like this is someone from your electronic health record. So whatever platform you're using, getting them involved, because we found with the special cleaning requirements for NFIT, we wanted to be able to document that. And we also wanted to leverage some decision support related to enteral tube connector type. And so having someone from that team was very valuable as well. And then lastly, and probably one of the most important team players is someone from the product stream. So whoever that is in your organization, whoever is actually going to order the product, help stock it, get it in-house, they are so crucial to this team, especially when you're working through a global pandemic. All right. So one important consideration when converting to NFET is whether the pharmacy switches all of their syringes over to an NFET syringe or keeps a mixed model of maybe some of the older oral syringes and the NFIT syringes. So can you tell us, did your pharmacy decide to dispense both oral and NFIT syringes, or did they convert to dispensing all liquid medications in NFIT syringes? That's a great question. And it's one that I see come up a lot on some of the forums that I participate on. I'm happy to say we made the decision to, to convert all we really wanted to mitigate any risk with choosing, you know, the incorrect syringe type. So, you know, we don't have to rely on the human to decide which, which type of syringe the men needs to go in. If it is ordered as oral or enteral, they have the same standard syringe. We do try to make sure as an organization that the route on the med order is always updated, but by using one syringe type for both routes allows some flexibility when the route does change between oral and enteral. And we know that we see that, especially in the ICUs or for patients, you know, that have more complex needs. Something else that we have heard questioned is whether or not the pharmacy should carry amber-colored protect-from-light syringes versus the standard clear syringes. And our pharmacy chose to dispense only the protect-from-light syringes, again, just to simplify the process. All right. So another common question that comes up when it with NFET syringes is related to dead space. So can you tell us if 
infant syringes have dead space? And how did your project team review potential and address dead space concerns, particularly when pharmacy prepares the medication in an infant syringe? Another really good question. So when trying to determine if there were issues or concerns with dead space in the syringes, we looked to some information and studies from the Global Enroll Device Supplier Association, also known as GEDSA. They have some really great papers specific to dose accuracy. So if you've never been to stayconnected.org, you should definitely check out that amazing resource. They have so much good information about everything related to NFIT. So highly encourage you to check that out. But back to the studies, you know, what the studies we reviewed showed that there was not a significant difference in dead space or loss of drug or risk of extra drug when you compare it to the previous oral syringes that we had in use. And additionally, for those lower dose regimens, they do have a low dose tip option with NFID, and that is just to add in an additional layer of safety for ensuring dose accuracy. So after reviewing all of that material, we really felt pretty comfortable moving forward with the plan to use bottle adapters in the pharmacy when we're preparing doses of oral or enteral suspensions in order to, again, promote dose accuracy. When it comes to mitigating concerns specifically related to the low-dose tip, the key is really to ensure that pharmacy and nursing are using the correct workflows. If a transfer lid is used when drawing up the medication in pharmacy and the low-dose tip is the syringe being used, there's really little concern for the wrong dose being drawn up. Same goes for nursing. If they're using the low-dose tip syringes on inpatient units, most vendors have a straw add-on piece that the drug can be drawn up through to ensure that there's no additional medication in the moat that surrounds that low-dose tip. And so, you know, as long as both specialties are following the correct workflows, there should be a little risk there. And this definitely comes up most with our pediatric population. All right. So with any big project or product conversion, it's probably not uncommon to have some surprises along the way. So can you tell us about any unexpected barriers or learnings that your organization experienced as you prepared for the conversion to NFIT? Definitely. Well, the obvious one is COVID-19. You know, we we started our planning in December of 19. And, you know, within months, you, we started to hear about COVID um, on a national scale. And while it didn't really hit in the Midwest until much later in the year, you have to consider supply availability when you're planning a big conversion like this. And so it was just very touch and go. You know, once we picked our vendors, trying to make sure that we could get the product and making sure that our team could support it, because it does take a team to run a big conversion like this. So ultimately, we we felt as a team that if we could get supply on hand, the efficiency wins for pharmacy and nursing, what we would experience as a result of the conversion, was a worthwhile pursuit. We knew that all of our frontline staff were undergoing really stressful times, but the use of NFIT is an efficiency win. It does not slow you down. And so we really felt strongly about pushing forward. Another barrier or or issue, I guess you could say, would be in, in relation to our enteral pumps in our NICUs. 
So at our organization, outside of the NICU, it's pretty standard to use one kind of enteral pump. And the NICU had a specific pump they were using just because of like the dose variation or the volume variation. And after we had chosen our vendor and we were getting ready to train and kind of getting everything prepared, we realized that the current enteral pumps we had in our NICU did not support the syringe that we had chosen for NFID. And so we needed to upgrade our pumps. Uh, We ended up staying with the same vendor, just getting the newer software and technology, but it wasn't something we had planned for, obviously. And we were very lucky because those pumps were due for replacement in the same fiscal year. So we were just able to write an SBAR and lift that up to leadership to get expedited replacement of those pumps. All right. So those are some great examples of maybe some barriers you you ran into during the project planning phase. How about after you went live? Were there any learnings and complications identified after you did go live with the infant syringes? Yeah. So overall, I just want to say that I, our conversion went very smoothly. We were very happy with how the process went. We had a lot of support from our vendors the education went well. It was a no-brainer for nursing how to use the equipment. But from a planning perspective, we did miss a few things related to equipment. One of them being the 60 mil syringe. We didn't get those converted in our project planning because the non-NFIT 60 mil syringe still has a use case regardless of if you've converted to NFIT. And so we didn't plan for the additional need of an NFIT 60 mil syringe. So that was something we learned immediately and had to scramble to get product in. And, you know, luckily our product stream was agile and able to help us with that. Another thing that I think is hard to plan for um, and is definitely worth a discussion with whichever vendor you choose is the PAR of your transition adapters so that you can ensure you have enough in your different care areas. And then another unique piece of equipment that we just didn't realize was going to be a need was an NFIT compatible Lopez valve. We use those for some of our more complex setups for enteral feeding and um, med delivery. And so not having those was an issue initially, but we, we were able to, again, get those supplied. We're continuing to evaluate workflows related to suction and decompression, as that has been a challenge for us post-go-live. Also, as a team, we had an internal debrief to assess how we functioned as a team and to identify any improvements for the next big conversion that comes. And one last thing I want to call out is that as I've rounded post-go-live, just to check on the staff, see what questions they have, make sure that they're cleaning their connectors appropriately. The feedback from nurses has been overwhelmingly positive. They love this product. They love the sense of security they have with um, the connection of NFIT, just ensuring that the med is going to go into the tube. And also from an enteral feeding perspective, you know, feeding the bed is not really an issue anymore because of that connector. So very positive response from nursing within our organization. All right. That's great. So with any hospital or healthcare project to this scale, um, it's always important to consider the impact of the patient. So can you tell us about how you ensured patients were adequately prepared for discharging when, when enteral tubes or syringes were used? 
Sure. That patient piece is so important. So this is where that team member from the electronic health record comes into play. We were able to build some automation within our health record so that when the nurse documents on the enteral tube, in our current state, they now have to say, does this enteral tube have an NFIT connector? Yes or no. And if they say yes, at the time of discharge, there are some teaching materials that automatically populate onto that discharge summary. And so these materials are focused on medication administration, appropriate cleaning of the tube, and so on. So that was huge in making sure that these patients had the info that they needed for discharge. In addition to that, from a, from a physical supply standpoint, we did have an order panel created for discharge so that if, again, the nurse has chosen, yes, this tube has an NFIT connector, at discharge, the provider gets a panel that automatically opens and guides the nurse to provide the patient with an appropriate size syringe for MedAdmin and also an adapter. Because we don't always know as the discharging nurse you know, even if they're set up with a home healthcare company or, or a home supply company, we don't always know exactly when they're going to get that supply. And we don't want our patients to get home and not have what they need to give themselves medications. So we really wanted to make sure that the patient at least went home with a syringe and an adapter so that they could dose those medications with the, you know, goal that they're getting their supply of other disposables as soon as possible. Those are the things that we did. One thing I wanted to call out from a community partner that we just at Nebraska Medicine felt like was such a great idea. Um, We saw another hospital use their patient portal. And so they pushed messages to appropriate patients or family members to let them know about their conversion that would be coming up and kind of give them a heads up as to the impact. And I thought that was wonderful because we had a lot of providers in our outpatient setting, you know, consulting patients or letting them know that at some point their tube would need to change. But having that ability to send a a blanket message is something we hadn't considered. And I think we definitely will in the future. All right. So the last question I have for you is, you know, it's kind of interesting with this NFIT project in that many hospitals are at different points or phases of the project or initiation around the country. So can you tell us what you did or what the team did to ensure that other organizations in the community knew that your organization had converted so they could be adequately prepared? Yeah. So the approach that we took was I reached out to the nurse manager of our care transition nurses. And I asked her to just kind of put her feelers out and see what she was hearing from home healthcare companies or disposable suppliers in the home setting to see, are are you aware of NFIT? Do you know what it is? Are you using it now? Are these supplies available? Because that's where we really wanted to start with the people that would be setting these patients up for home. And so I was really anxious to hear back to see what the response would be. And it was overwhelmingly, yes, like we're prepared. Like we've heard of it. We have it. Very little concern about our organization converting. And so that was definitely reassuring that our patients would be supported in the home setting. 
in addition to that, we we actually sent a letter of intent to convert to our local community partners. And we wrote the letter and had it approved by our legal team and, and our risk management team. And we sent it to skilled nursing facilities, home health care companies, other hospitals within the region, just letting them know, hey, NFIT is a thing. We are converting this year. If you haven't converted, please consider it. We included, you know, resources to GEDSA so that they could educate themselves. And we, you know, really use that as a platform to get the community ready. In addition to that, we posted an article to our patient safety organization's website with conversion information as well, because we figured, you know, as many platforms as we can hit. And then, um, you know, after Go Live, we did see just a few, I mean, really not many skilled nursing facilities reach out because they weren't prepared and hadn't, you know, either read the letter or realized how important it was going to be for their patients. And so we helped those organizations kind of navigate through getting equipment ordered, but we did ultimately decide to send a second letter in the spring of this year, just to let those same organizations know, you know, this is no longer a letter of intent. We've we've done it and we're putting these tubes in and we want to make sure that you're prepared to care for these patients. All right. So that's great information. Thank you. So that's all the time we have for today. I really want to thank Stacy for joining us today to discuss this ISMP best practice number four and five, and to share her experience with their recent conversion edges. Uh, please check out the rest of the ISMP best practice podcast series supported by the medication safety section advisory group. If you haven't before, I encourage you all to check out ASHP's medication safety resources. You can find member exclusive offerings such as the patient safety resource center patient education resources through safemedication.com and exchange ideas and ask questions with your peers on the ASHP Medication Safety Connect community. Thanks again for tuning in for this session of ASHP's podcast on medication safety and be sure to subscribe to ASHP podcasts through your favorite podcast provider. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.